welcome to the Heartbeat for Hire podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Dowd. My goal is to help train leaders and sales organizations how to manage and deliver results with empathy, compassion, and kindness. Let's get started. Attention, visionary leaders. Are you ready to elevate your leadership style and create an exceptional workplace that stands out from the crowd? I'm here to introduce you to a game-changing resource that will transform the way you lead and shape your company culture. It's time to embrace the power of top-down culture. This practical guide empowers your leadership for lasting success, helping you create a workplace where everyone thrives. Get top-down culture today and let's reshape the future of leadership together. Welcome to this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. You know I love a heart-centered leader, and today is no exception. Chase and Forehand is part of a group of dedicated individuals who started a nonprofit called HR for You, Inc. that fights for living wages for all by showing the leaders the ROI of pouring into their people and paying them equitable wages. In 2012, Chasen started a company, HR Consultations, that works solely with social good entities with their HR needs. With a program called Mentor for Good, they mentor nonprofit founders and leaders with starting their own nonprofits, get off the ground on solid footing. Chasen introduces leaders to programs that will increase their profits, help them upskill, and course correct their organization through a joint program with our partners called the PEOPLE Initiative. Mm-hmm. Chasen is also part of the of American Corporate partners program to help our veterans successfully transition into civilian life. And aside from that, Jason is my good friend. Welcome to the show. Hey. Yay. So happy you're here, Chase. Well, it's good to be here. It's good it's to be here. I love your joy. show. Love you. I love that I see uh, your pup in the background oh, just yeah. kind yeah. of crawling. We are going to be getting um, our new dachshund brutus brutus is they call him blue i say it's gray but he's blue he's gorgeous so it's i love really that color. unique gorgeous. color that's great um, oh and, when do you, and when do you get him um well that's to be determined okay. it's, it's coming up Doesn't but matter. all right yeah, well so excited. for those people that don't know you which i can't even imagine there are people that don't but for those that don't will you kindly share a little bit of your story yeah, sure. I, I will say that, you know what, I am just a broken up old hockey guy that uh, loves people and wants to create change. And so what we, what I've done in my life is tried to look back at the things that were stopping me in the road. So being a drug addict, being someone who uh, pushed away everybody around me, including my family who tried to help me, um, to the point where I lost everything and was homeless. And I look back at all of those things and, and the, how I had to get to a place where I was okay with the dude that was staring back at me in the mirror. And it was a lot of that that stemmed from childhood trauma and being abandoned, being abused by my mother and then my stepmother. Mm-hmm. And just really being in a place where the maternal uh, factors and love wasn't there. Yeah. And I held on to those things and created my created worse trauma for myself. And it progressed to a point where I became 
addicted to drugs. 32 years clean and working to every single day be a little bit better than the day before. And during the pandemic, when my HR company lost most of my clients because I dealt with small entities that I grew up with. I grew up as a chef and I grew up with a guy that was in um, service industry. So I knew that most HR companies went after the big fish. They went after the places where they could get you know, that SaaS and turn a bigger profit. And I was only concerned about making change. So I had the mom and pop grocery stores and the, mm -hmm. and the, and the place that only had one restaurant. I went and helped those people with their projects. And 75% of my clients got shuttered, uh, never to return during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so I twisted and decided to change how I approached my business and created uh, uh, a lot of pro bono work that I started doing for nonprofits. I had done a little bit. I'd been a volunteer, been a, been a volunteer for years. But then I started like, I'm, I'm really going to get into now helping more people because I saw the need. And I saw what was like this dumpster fire going on in the world of hiring and talent and, and wanted to create change there as well. And then even in my own neighborhood where I step out and most of the people don't look like me, they are struggling yeah. and they need people that care about them and can and will do something about it not and can do something about it. So we created HR for You Incorporated at the same time that I changed how my HR company uh, was structured. So now my HR company is very, very selective. I only work with B Corps and nonprofits, social good entities that can prove what they're doing and how they're changing the world. Those are the only groups that I work with. Um, and our nonprofit is focused on removing barriers. So great people like you that uh, want to create change and want to stand up and say, hey, it's not okay. It's not okay to be the status quo anymore. We've got to, we've got to do something different. Well, so the life cycle has been very different, but it, it's gotten us here. I mean, I, I love so much of what you said. And so many of our guests on the show, uh, we talk about making intentional choices with their their lives and their careers and, and making those intentional pivots. And you are like the walking embodiment of being intentional with your work and your choices. And we're so lucky to have people like you in this world. And um, I'm a partner of HR for You Incorporated, which I am proud to be. And I'm in company with 50, how many now? 63. <laughs> 63 other partners. And we come from all different uh, perspectives and walks of life and geographies. And we've got yeah. friends in Australia. We, we've yes. got people all over the world um, working to drive this change. And can you talk a little bit about um, why it's important to focus on a living wage? Because I don't know that everyone's even aware that this is an issue. Sure. I, I think the, the biggest thing is that people uh, incorrectly associate minimum wage with living wage. And that's sure. not the... It's not correct. A living wage is really more complicated. And it's what 
a family needs or a human being needs to take care of their family, take care of their housing needs, take care of their basic needs, yeah. put food on the table and and have a lifestyle, a modicum of, of a lifestyle to where they can supply and have uh, extra monies for in case for emergencies, right. etc. This isn't like going out and buying yachts. Or, this is just just having enough to take care of the people that you care about, take care of yourself, put food on the table, and have some money left over for emergencies. That's really, in essence, what a living wage is. And unfortunately, there isn't a single state. If we're just talking about the United States, there isn't a single state where they take the highest area of living wage around them and make that their minimum wage. So, so you have this, this great divide where we make people, we make companies okay with paying a minimum wage, but minimum that's not a minimum. That's the minimum not a living wage. Isn't wage. Enough. You can't, nope. you can't survive on minimum wage, not with inflation. And certainly in most states in the country, um, it's not enough. And it's certainly not enough for healthcare. I <laughs> look. Nope. Going from working for corporate where half of your health care was paid for to sure. taking on that burden, I feel that pain and it's yeah, miserable yeah. and it's so expensive. So um, I totally can appreciate that. So um, in the work that you've been doing with um, all of your HR clients, you know, DEI, I think, has gone through a lot of evolution and change over the last few years. I think we were in this really positive trend um, right after the George Floyd moment in time. I think companies were really kind of embracing a DEI strategy. And then we saw this shift um, in the great layoffs of 2023. And um, I saw DEI teams just be decimated. So for for those that you're in this space, you're working in this space, can you share some of your DEI observations? And DEI stands for diversity, equity, and, and inclusion for anyone that didn't know what that was. Um, but can you share your perspective, Jason? Well, I think you're right on the money that I, you know, everybody and their mother jumped on the bandwagon in, in 2020. And what we started to see were companies that have been talking about change, but started to actually create change. And then you saw companies that were box checking. And this is part of why I, and I'm glad you asked this question, because this is part of why I changed the companies I started working with at HR consultations, because I, there was a particular client that would have been a huge payday for me and they wanted to box check and it was clear it was so clear because i'd start asking questions and they wouldn't answer the questions and the person that was trying to hire me just said i want you just to put these things in place they'll do the job on their own and i'm like no no just because you have a program or just because you create an ERG group doesn't mean that you've got diversity, equity, inclusion going on. Yeah. And, and if 75, 80, 90% of your staff looks like me, then you got an issue. Okay. Uh, and if you're not going to address that, I don't want to work with you because they're going to associate my company with your issues. And so it really, 
was an interesting time. So you had people really creating change and being like, you know, why haven't we been doing this? Why has it taken this evolution of the world burning and, you know, people protesting and things really um, being in our face in the media to, to create such change? Yeah. Here we go. A couple of years later, as people, you know, people are quick to forget. Yeah. And, and a couple of years later, as the economy starts to swirl and things start to change, who are the, fir the first teams that start to get whacked? I mean, you know, layoff after layoff after yeah. layoff. We obviously didn't learn anything from a couple of years ago because right. the real message, the real message to leaders in 2020 should have been if you care about people and you pour into people mm -hmm. and you understand the value of people, you're going to create lasting change. So let's let's talk a little bit about ROI, because I, this is a, a really important piece of everything that I teach. And I think um, you talk about it a lot. And when we're talking about investing in culture and we're talking about investing in your leaders, um, I think you had a post the other day that said, you know, you get, I don't know what it was, tenfold what you put in or two times what you put in, whatever that amount was. But it was a statement to say when you invest in your people, you get that back in spades. And can you just help leaders understand what you mean by that and why that is? Because I don't think people understand it. And they think of culture as a fluffy, nice to have or rainbows and hearts or, you know, in my world where I'm trying to transform leadership, these are power skills. These are not nice to haves, but why is this important in your perspective? That's a great question. And I'm going to use an example that one of our other partners, Michelle Ernst gave to me. Uh, and it was about a Chick-fil-A leader. Chick-fil-A is a, a technically a fast food yep. um, organization, but really it's, <laughs> kind of elevated from that. It's better food than a lot of other fast food places. But Chick-fil-A is, is built on a foundation around people. But interestingly enough, one particular business owner that was in a state where the minimum wage was pretty low, I think it was $11 an hour at that time, mm -hmm. he decided to pay people $17 an hour considerably more than what he had to pay. And he found out this. He found out, one, he spent less money on training, on uniforms, on replacing people because people stayed longer. People were happier. They were more productive. They got their family and friends to come in and support the organization, they stayed and wanted to help build and, and help it grow and sustain. So, I mean, even using such a, it's a small example because it's a one, it's a single operation, but I hear all the time mm -hmm. people try to say, you know, I can't do this where I'm at. I can't pay a living wage. I can't help people because oh. of the way I'm structured. You reminded me of Costco. Costco is employee owned. 
there's a reason everybody loves Costco and it's because the people have a stake in the ground. They want people to buy their things. They want yep. people to stay in the store longer. They want people to have a good experience. And when you're at checkout, they're pretty friendly. I mean, I've been in a lot of Costco's and I can tell you it's a nice experience, but when you give people skin in the game and you make them feel a part of something and you invest in them, they feel it and they want to give back. So I love that Chick-fil-A story. I don't love Chick-fil-A, but I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that whoever was owning that franchise did the right thing and yeah. set an example probably for that whole town of this is a place to work. So that's, that's great. I think that's a huge, you know, what you just said is, is really the big, big win after the fact yeah. is that, those families and those communities around that, they win. So there's there's that rippling effect of, okay, you just did something great in your organization. It's going to affect those families and all of the communities that they're in. So you have this huge opportunity to create socioeconomic change just by doing the right thing where you are. Oh, I love that you said that. And it, it, you know, this is something that I teach and this is certainly in my book that's, that's just about to come out. And, you know, when you talk, <laughs> when you talk about leaders modeling the behavior that they want, it's not just for your employees. When you act like a raving lunatic and yell at people, your employees think that's the tone that is okay. They think that that is the behavior you want to see. And when you make that intentional shift to lead with compassion, to lead with support, empower your, your leaders to invest in their people and connect with them and build trust. Everyone models that behavior in kind, but externally it's talked about too. And you are an example. I mean, look at Sir Richard Branson. Everyone knows his statement about if I take care of my people, they will take care of our clients. And that's how it works. So it's it's bigger than just your company. You are really yeah. setting the tone for a much wider aperture. So I, I love that you said that. So um, can you talk a little bit about the work you're doing in New York? Um, I know you were a chef. You're taking those skills and you're repurposing them. How? Because I think this is really cool. Well, we're we're really hoping that we can get this launched here in New York, but I really, I, I'll say this, we want to do it in every single state and then eventually in every single country. But Transformation Kitchen is something I've been part of different organizations, other nonprofits that had something similar. We're going to take this and kind of do the 2.0, 2.9, the 3.0. We're going to take this to the next level. So Transformation Kitchen is about empowering people to create change themselves and create a living wage for themselves by learning culinary skills, mm -hmm. learning power skills. And I love that you use that because I don't think it's life skills. I think it's power skills. Yeah. Learning how to upskill yourself and your own skills, are it's powerful. So we teach power skills using our partners like you uh, to help us with that. Uh, teaching culinary basic skills, getting them their serve safe certifications, and either employing them with a living wage and beyond within the organization as we open up to become a production kitchen for after school programs and for homeless shelters, et cetera, and to offer lunch 
to and catering to the local community. So there's phases to it. And so we're we're working now to try to find a location, get all the pieces together. It's it's a huge undertaking. It's a massive product uh, project. Uh, but we feel like this is a way forward that gives us um, a means to teach how it can be done. How can you provide a living wage within this type of environment? Well, we're going to show you. And this is what we did. So there's a lot of pieces to it. I'm actually, the reason I'm not in my my normal t-shirt and whatnot is because I'm going to a Rotary Club meeting um, here this afternoon to talk to people about what we do. So. And here I thought you dressed up for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did. I did. All right. (laughs) I'm just teasing. I would take you anywhere you come. Um, Okay. Talk a little bit about American Corporate Partners. What is that organization? How are you involved? What do they do? Well, they're amazing. And this is my second year to be involved with them. One of our partners, one of our original eight partners, Eric Brew, Uh, who also is in the Outlier Project with me. He is an amazing human being. He's an old grunt, a veteran himself. I love him to death. And he introduced me to American Corporate Partners. They have a mentoring uh, program where you share for a year with someone who is transitioning out of the military into civilian life. I think this this speaks to me for multiple reasons, besides the fact that almost all of my friends are from the military. I have family that were military. Um, when people find out that I lived in 17 states and 42 cities in 58 years, they think I'm in the military. Right. I am not. I was not. But I I am akin to a lot of these guys because I love I love what they stand for. And so I want to do the most I can to support. And I also want to stop um, people that are transitioning out of the military that feel like they don't have a purpose any longer. Uh, We have 22 veterans a day that commit suicide, and that needs to end. We need to support our veterans and let them know that they matter, that they are valued, that they are cared for, that we care about them. They they help protect us. We need to help protect them. So American Corporate Partners gives a platform to allow me to mentor those. So I mentor people that are interested in nonprofits. I mentor, this is my second mentee that I have today. And Chris Witted, if you don't know him, check him out. Also, Mark East uh, was last year. And he is phenomenal. He is a chaplain and a pastor and has a great mission in Puerto Rico that he's uh, doing. So great people that are doing amazing work. I'm thrilled to be part of this program and to help. You can get involved. They need more mentees, mentors. And um, so there's a ton of people that are transitioning. Mm-hmm. Offer your skills. Offer your time. I love it. Now you brought up the Outlier Project. What is that? Outlier Project was started by Scott McGregor, um, Kathy Leckie, and Tom Doherty, and a bunch of other amazing people. I don't know. There's something he's going to probably correct me, but there's something like 600 plus people in 10 countries that are part of this group. And we support and network together with each other. We also get to listen to amazing, legendary 
authors and speakers and motivational people. Uh, Jason Redman, uh, who was a former SEAL that was wounded in action horribly and had to show his resilience to go through all of these surgeries and come back. And he talks about not standing on the X, which really resonated with me because I get stuck even today. I, I mean, there are times where I'll get stuck. You get stuck in your where you're standing and in your circumstances and you need to snap out of it. So, I mean, there's some amazing people that we've been able to listen to and uh, speak with, hear them speak, ask questions. But also, really, the thing that really stands out for me is the Outliers Project is a group of human beings that care about other human beings mm -hmm. and have been extremely supportive uh, for our nonprofit and for me personally. That's wonderful. I mean, I couldn't ask for a more heart-centered leader, but since we're on that topic, um, will you share some of your observations of what the greatest leaders you work with possess? What are some of the characteristics that you find are uh, most important? Well, I think the number one thing is that they care about people, that people matter to them over profits and everything else. They know that if they pour into people and they put people first, that they will have profits yeah. and that they will see an amazing return on their investment. I think the other things that I, are extremely important to me and that I see in leaders that that make me take notice people like Scott McGregor. They are, they are empathetic. Mm -hmm. They are, um, they are caring. They offer grace to others. They are understanding. They listen. And I, we talk about active listening all the time, but there's an art to that. Yeah. And I think that, there are people that I want to emulate. I want to be like Mike and, you know, Scott McGregor is one of those people. Uh, there are plenty of others, but I, he, because we were talking about the outlier project, he certainly is someone that, that comes to mind. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think there, I think again, though, the core is people and how you care and how you respond to other human beings. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think, you know, I just did a post yesterday about um, asking people why they want to get into leadership. It's so important that yeah. we understand the motivation because so often people just think it's a stepping, you know, stepping stone in their career trajectory. They're not really thinking about, oh, I'm actually taking care of people. I'm actually responsible for people. Um, it's just a check mark to get me to the next place. And um, you really can't manage like that anymore. People are demanding more, they're expecting more and leaders have to really hone those power skills to uh, be able to support that kind of need from their their teams. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Where things have, things have changed and they're gonna continue to change. And yeah. if you are stuck in the way it used to be, then it's gonna become a real problem. Well, and I think the other thing that I, I talk a, about a lot on the show is 
people can evolve just because you were an ogre or a bad leader or someone who was unkind or was inflammatory or yelled at people, pointed fingers, embarrassed people. It doesn't mean you're always going to be like that. You can intentionally change. And I know dozens of people who have confessed to me, they were that leader and they have evolved and they have grown and they said, I would have hated them in that life, but we're really tight. And I love seeing that evolution. I love seeing that people are capable of change. And, you know, you, you exemplify that with the life that you've led and the things you've overcome. Um, And to see someone lead with such incredible heart is very inspiring. So thank you for that. So speaking of inspiring, what inspires you? Uh, I'm inspired by people like you and others within our group and that I see on a a daily or weekly basis that want to do everything they can to lift others up. And I think that that's what inspires me to keep going and do the things that we do is because people like Will Sullivan and uh, Tiffany Castaño and uh, Alisa Southall, I just, I see our partners doing amazing things and lifting others up. And it, it, it breaks my heart that we have to continue to do that. But at the same time, I'm inspired to continue to do what we do because I see the impact that it has. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah. We, we, we do surround ourselves with some really yeah. great people. So it's, it certainly um, keeps our cup full. Um, so <laughs> what would you like your legacy to be? I would like to be at a place where everything that we're creating with HR for you incorporated, that people know that name, like they know charity water. i when I grow up, I want everyone to know HR for you.org as if it were charity water mm-hmm. and they are wanting to get involved and volunteer and be part of transformation kitchen and join to stand up for change and make sure that everyone has living wage. So I want the legacy to be beyond uh, associating Chase and Forehand with this and it be whoever is leading it and wherever it's going that they know that name and, Mm. and associate it with transparency and thoughtfulness and caring and kindness. So that's, that to me is the big goal. So Jason, you've talked about so many different organizations and so many amazing movements that you're a part of. How can people get involved? Walk us through some of the ways that they can find you. And we'll of course share your socials here, but um, tell people how they can get involved. Well, I'm, I'm active on a, on a lot of different socials, but LinkedIn primarily. So you can go there and find us. Uh, but also you can go to our website, which is HR dash the number four, the letter U.org. And you'll see all of our programs. You'll see all of our partners. You'll get a chance to check out people like yourself. And, you know, we've got all of that out there now. Jason Wilson did a great job of helping revamp our website a little bit yeah he's awesome and um i was just talking to him last night and you know just uh you can see what we are about you can see the programs that we have 
and you can reach out to me, shoot me an email. Um, you can click on the contact form there, or you can just shoot me an email directly, which is also at the top of my LinkedIn page. Uh, there's a Calendly invite and my uh, email are right there. So you can reach out and we can uh, set up a time to talk. I mean, first of all, thank you for everything you do. Thank you for sharing your heart with all of us. You are such an inspiring human and it is a joy to be a part of what you do. You have endless uh, compassion and um, I love seeing all the things that you put out into the world. So on behalf of the rest of the population, um, <laughs> I thank you. And I am so grateful to call you my friend. And um, thank you for being on the show too. So guys, if you don't know Chasen, make sure you're connected to him. Reach out to him on LinkedIn. He's super responsive. And what you see is what you get. He is as kind every day of the week. And um, it's such a joy to, to be able to share you with this audience. So thank you for thank being you, on the show, Lindsay. my friend. Thank you, lady. I appreciate you. No problem. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. Stay tuned for more next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat for Hire. If you like what you hear, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave a five-star review. To keep the conversation going, you can find me on Insta or at LinkedIn at Lindsay Dowd, H4H. Or you can reach me at my website, heartbeatforhire.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.